You're listening to At Large, a global affairs podcast brought to you by China U.S. Focus. Thanks for joining us. And here's your host, James Chow. This is episode 23. Let's look first at what's been happening in the world this week in Africa, Europe and Latin America. Well, politically, there is a revolving door of leaders underway. Ethiopia has a new president and as many people have highlighted, Zale Wegzude is the first woman to occupy this office. She brings with her a really excellent set of experiences, a long-time career diplomat who was Ethiopia's ambassador to France and Senegal and Djibouti, and she was also special representative for UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres to the African Union. It's a great honour for Ethiopia and for Africa, and I think for all of us, more widely, an important opportunity at a time when achieving gender equality is still a far-off reality for many of us. And that's the word also from Shefa Okore, who is vice chair of the Ukweli party in Kenya. She spoke about the new president and what it means to all Africans, though I think if you listen to what she says, it's important to all of us, no matter where we are. So to see a woman rise up to this space and to be elevated to this position for us, it is so inspirational. It just brings it brings it back home to the to the saying that we always say, Womanla, where we mean women and power together. And I think women really deserve to be in positions of power. It's just about time that happened. Because it's gonna completely change the dynamics of politics and it's going to completely change how we engage politically as a people and as a continent. Angela Merkel, who's led Germany as its chancellor since 2005 and the Christian Democratic Union since 2000, has confirmed that she won't seek re-election in 2021. Firstly, at the next CDU Party Congress in December in Hamburg, I will not put myself forward again as candidate for the CDU chair. Secondly, this fourth term is my last as German chancellor. Today's Europe is markedly different to the one that she and we once knew. Merkel had a lot to do with the shifts that the continent has experienced. She'll be remembered for being the refugee chancellor, fondly by some, less fondly by others, for allowing in thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, in one of the biggest movements of refugees since the end of the Second World War. I suspect that Merkel knows that her time is winding down, especially since the refugee decision has made her less viable in the eyes of some of the electorate. And there is no obvious natural successor to her domestically. She's been Germany's leader for over a decade. That's a long time in a democratic system. She's had a good run. But Matthew Karnichnik, who is Politico's chief Europe correspondent, says she may not even last till 2021. So while she says that she's willing to step down at that time, he thinks, well, hold on a bit. I think this is really the question of the day is how long can Merkel's government survive and if it does survive, whether she will be able to remain chancellor through 2021. In yet another part of the world, this time Latin America, Brazil has a new and I think it's fair to say controversial leader in Jair Bolsonaro. There were celebrations, there were protests, as is sometimes the case, but in this context, he is regarded as a far-right politician and he doesn't sit well with many of his own electorates. One of the first decisions he made as president was 
to say that the gun laws will be relaxed in Brazil. And of course, Brazil is known for being one of the quote-unquote murder capitals in the world. So if this is a sign of what is to follow, it will certainly be a very eventful administration. But this is what some of his supporters are saying. I think it's fair to listen to the all-round picture. Why did they vote for Jair Bolsonaro? I feel happy, full of hope. It's a change, almost water to wine. We are leaving a very corrupt government who really stole from Brazil. Now this country is going to move forward because of my captain, my president. He is not homophobic. He is a man of God. He is a man of character. He is not corrupt. He will fight for all Brazilians. This is At Large, your weekly podcast on China, the U.S. and the world. Keep listening. In episode 21, which was two episodes ago, I talked about Amazon and Apple both rejecting an investigative report that appeared in the Bloomberg Business Week, alleging that their operations have been infiltrated by Chinese-made microchips. And when you say Chinese, do you mean a private company based in China, or do you mean manufactured by Chinese, or do you just mean the Chinese government? I think that those distinctions are more than just about words. It's also about inference. It's also important because, I mean, when you say American chips, I wouldn't naturally assume that you're talking about the US administration. And so I think, in fairness, that one needs to be very specific about what one means over here. You can find that episode on our website. All you have to do to find that and the other archive is go to ChinaUSFocus.com. And there's a podcast dedicated section there. I always like to cover a story and its nuances from the different sides. And so I played in that episode uh, a soundbite from one of the authors of the Bloomberg report and also statements that came out from Amazon and Apple. At the time, and I'm only slightly paraphrasing here, those companies said they didn't know where to begin in their denials because they said so many inaccuracies uh, were found in the original report. In case you've forgotten the details, here's what Bloomberg said at the time. We cite 17 different sources in the story. Now, these are senior level officials across the government and also senior level individuals inside the affected companies. Similarly, Bloomberg stands by the accuracy of the story. It says the investigation was thorough, the result of over a year of reporting during which more than 100 interviews were conducted. But some of the 17 sources that were quoted in this report were government officials. And to borrow Barack Obama's words, I mean, he says politicians lie. What we have not seen before, in our recent public life at least, is politicians just blatantly, repeatedly, baldly, shamelessly lying, making stuff up. Tim Cook is Apple's CEO. He's not letting this go. He's given an interview in which he's called for Bloomberg to fully retract the claims. He told BuzzFeed, we turn the company upside down, email searches, data center records, financial records, shipment records. We really forensically whipped through the company to dig very deep. And each time we came back to the same conclusion, Cook says, this did not happen. There's no truth to this. 
I'm not going to comment on the weight of the report because I'm not party to the facts, of course, but it does bring to mind the environment of distrust in which we live today. When I grew up, myself, my parents, our grandparents, we all remember, we believed everything, carte blanche, 100%, when we heard it on the news or when we read it in a newspaper. And I think these days, even though fake news may well have existed uh, a long time ago and originated before, perhaps we were naive then. But these days, it's a different time. We need to question. We need to check. We need to verify. And President Obama raised this a couple of days ago. I'm not keen on the phrase fake news, by the way. News isn't like a counterfeit designer wallet or handbag. Either the sources who made the claims or the companies are rejecting them. Fake news is a fancy word for lying, for making stuff up. And President Obama said it very clearly. Let's talk about the 40th anniversary of China's reform and opening up. It happened back in December 1978. So December 2018, next month will be a full four decades. And in that time, and of course, reform and opening up to an extent still continues to occur. Um, it changed the world. Jimmy Carter was the president of the United States at the time. And here's what he said about why reform was fundamentally so historic, not just to China, but to all of us. You know, at the same time that Deng Xiaoping and I announced normal relations, he also announced reform and opening up. China was very isolated among the nations of the world. And his opening up to the outside world, tied in with uh, normalization with the United States, has been a remarkable achievement. Uh, now everywhere I go, uh, the people there have a new relationship of friendship and mutual support and help uh, with China. Whereas in the past, China had no relationships at all in, uh, in Africa, very few, if any. And, and now, of course, China has opened up to the world with benefits to China and also benefit to those poor countries. Tung Chihua is the chairman of the China-United States Exchange Foundation. And to be clear, the China-US Focus Initiative is powered by that. Um, he gave a speech a couple of days ago in Hong Kong to talk about the 40 years. In response to what China's secrets are in successfully carrying out reform, um, he gave some ideas. He said, first of all, in terms of the economy, reform has been gradual and while at the same time daring to try, which Mr. Tong says is what we vividly referred to as crossing the river by feeling for the stones, China's combined government intervention with market opening, and in that time established a dual-track socialist market economy. He also points to political development, China upholding the leadership of its Communist Party, a people-centered approach, some stability for what is now 1.4 billion people made up of 56 ethnic groups, multiple regions, stability being of the utmost importance. And the third point he made in his speech was that China is driving science, technology and innovation. I think China is still known, and for good reasons, of course, as being uh, the world's factory. I think it's a proud label as well. It's not only associated with uh, counterfeit and with copying or with cheap goods. It's also just about being able to execute for the world. I think you know it's wonderful when you're known for making the world's clothes or making the world's toys, toys that our children uh, play with. So all that uh, he covers in his speech, and you can find it on the China-US Focus website. It's called Secrets of China's Success by C.H. Tong.
You've been listening to At Large with James Chow. For more episodes, you can go to chinausfocus.com forward slash podcasts. You can also subscribe at Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and more. Thanks for joining us.